Hello, miss. What do you mean, miss? Oh, I'm sorry, I have a cold. I wish to make it complete. I don't mind if you go. I don't mind if you take it slow. I don't mind if you say yes or no. I don't mind at all. I don't care if you live or die. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Sofa. I'm Peter. I'm Dave. And I'm Jono. Yes, joining us in this new year is uh, Jono Park. Uh, great to have you back, Jono. You've been very quiet over the past 12 months. What, what have you been up to? I haven't been podcasting. No. <laughs> at all. <laughs> but instead of being sort of fairly busy, just run my own business. So very busy with that. But also the arrival of, of child number three. Fantastic. So Hooray. alongside Sarah, Jane and Harry, there is now Nessa. Oh, <laughs> they're going to say K9. <laughs> Nissa. I met a Nissa the other day, actually, and she was exactly the right age of like somebody who would have been born around 82, 83. And I was like, mm, I wonder if you know, but uh, didn't have that conversation. I once met an Edric. I had a teacher with a daughter of the right age to be a Tegan. Mm. And Perfect. That's what she was named. So, yeah, the legacy of J&T will live on. <laughs> Uh, speaking of JNT, um, flamboyant executive producer Chris Chibnall this year brings us a another episode. Um, I guess we'll just sort of go straight into it. Um, Resolution aired in New Zealand in the last sort of forty-eight hours, just sort of arriving to us very early Tuesday, uh, sorry Wednesday morning on the second. I watched it terrestrially. What about you guys on the telly or, or tune in through the laptop? I effectively tuned in through the laptop while it was on the telly just to skip the ads, to mm. be honest. Yeah, likewise. Literally just watched it about two hours ago. Oh, wow. Oh, so wow. For the first fairly time. fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't jump into it straight away, which we might talk about later on. Oh, perhaps we should start with you then, Jono. <laughs> Were you surprised and delighted? Uh, <laughs> I think it started really well. I think it looked... God, the series has been great looking. It has, um, yeah. And and I think this was beautifully directed. Some amazing camera work in there, and just the color of it and the scale of it was lovely. Mm. And I thought it started really well. And I, th- yeah. And then it sort of felt like it very much ramped up towards quite a rushed ending, and I didn't quite understand how parts of it really fitted in. Specifically, as much as I love. Ryan, the stuff with his dad, also great, but felt like mm. it just dropped in from a completely mm. different show. Yes. And so you sort of had these moments of, you know, high tension and, and energy, and then a pause in a cafe, and then back into yep. the energy, and then a pause in a sitting room. And all great stuff, and really well acted, and I really liked it. But where did it come from? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of yeah. out there. Last time we had a Doctor Who adventure with Daleks, uh, which had a, a cafe cutaway that was at least Jeffrey from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air in there. True, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, very definitely an A and a B plot. Well, just like an A and a X plot. <laughs> it's really hard to criticise it because it was really well acted, and I really love the actor who plays Ryan. I think he's probably been my favourite throughout the series. Mm, cousin Cole. Yeah, when when he's been given stuff to do, but I think yeah, it just it was sort of quite bizarre it just arrived and it was there and it was it felt like it was a completely different show yeah my benchmark for watching the series has become over the season the episodes i can watch it with my family and my kids because part of the thing about the last season is okay it's a a reboot and a reshift and it's not being made for me as a diehard fan anymore so to watch it with my children and see okay how are the new target audience dealing with it has been the way I've tried to address it. And that scene in the cafe, my daughter, who'd been really digging it up to then, just turned to me and sort of made little talky hands out of her, <laughs> out of her hand, talky faces out of her hands and blah, 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 blah. And it, it shouldn't be because this is sort of like the culmination of Ryan's character arc. But when you have it in a story with the Daleks, it just sort of kills the action dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the other resolution of the story, of course. Mm. Although you could argue that the resolution was really in the last episode, and it was really between Ryan and Graham rather than Ryan and his dad. That really wasn't lampposted so much within the earlier series. You could have easily have taken it you know, as read that his dad's an absentee father. End of story. Or given it a, a, its own story to develop, so it would be the A plot. 
mm. rather than being the distraction. You could run a season on it, frankly. <laughs> but it's like a, it's like a Pete Tyler, right? Yeah. So that was the so Father's Day being the Rose's dad's plotline, culminating in an entire story. Mm. And I suppose it would be the same with Martha and her family as well, in a way, and Donna, and it all ties up. Whereas this, what's the purpose of Ryan? reconciling with his dad in terms of the relation of driving the plot for Doctor Who. Someone had to bring the microwave. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like they opened the cookbook of how how do we inject character in here? And I'm probably doing Chris Chibnall a service because I've not watched Broadchurch and I would get the impression that this kind of character interaction is a very soapy, Broadchurchy, wider drama thing. But again, it's the inconsistency of dropping it into a Dalek plot when they're Daleks, right? Dun, 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 and then cut to the cafe. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it just sort of went at 90 degrees to the romp that the rest of the story was trying to be. But I've got to be honest, it's a symptom because there's another big example of that. Uh, I don't mean to jump jump on you. Sorry, sorry, John, you carry on. <laughs> no, no, you, you pick up the baton and run with it because I'm intrigued. Okay. We've got all this stuff about it being a scout, and it's a super-duper Dalek. The only reason it's a super-duper Dalek is so the Dalek can stymie the TARDIS without actually acknowledging it, without the Dalek going, oh, there's a TARDIS, let's stymie it, and slow the plot down by 10 minutes. And I watched this, and my family enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it. It was great. And then I watched it again to sort of start critiquing it. And the whole thing with Brian's dad and it being a super-duper Dalek and not having a shell, and it's, it's a remake of... Dalek mm-hmm. with body horror mm-hmm. with padding that slows the story down and even at the end they've killed the Dalek oh no it's got hold of Aaron and so you have another another ending on the ending and again I was talking about my family watched it my mum watched it terrestrially and it got to 9.30 and she said oh, oh they've beaten the Dalek oh Aaron's caught by the I'll, I'll watch it later mm. and she said do I miss anything it's like well no not no. really how did they get rid of the Dalek? They threw it into a sun. Okay. But they zapped it with a microwave. Yeah. You know, it's all watchable and it's entertaining, but it doesn't hold together as an A to B story. You know, you could take big chunks of it out very easily. You'd run it in half the time. Hmm. And that's my big gripe, gripe <laughs> about it. It's the, sorry. <laughs> it's the best story of the season. And it's the most lame Christmas story ever. Oh, oh, come now. Oh, well, Come on. Uh, well, no, but it's not got the spectacle or the oomph. Dr. Mysterio, anybody? <laughs> it's no Dr. Widow, Widow in the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, or that too. Ah, oh, flame's too strong a word. Okay, I take that back. But it doesn't be a scrutiny. It doesn't actually hold up as a long-form story. It's a short-form story with bits thrown into it. Mm. But that's the theme of the whole year, really, isn't it? We, we've not been dealing with an arc. We've not been dealing with uh, recurring motifs and so forth. Yeah, there's been a bit of a through line between Ryan and Graham. We had a returning villain from the first episode, bookending the ser- the season. But to have a one-off Dalek story at this stage is not... I mean, there's nothing new. Everything else has been pretty much a one-off by design. Uh, and again, I'm probably making it sound like I disliked it more than I did because watched it, enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. There were bits that were really good. Bits I really liked. I thought um, the guest cast did really well. But it's just when you watch it again and just look at it, it's all bitsy and PC and yeah. PC gone mad? Oh, I wouldn't say that. I don't have a gripe about, uh, because it was posted on the internet, this season's got social issues and stuff. No, I think that's fair enough. It's Mm. something you can have and something you can work off and use as the wider educational merit of the series. But just as a story, it's a Dalek. There were some fun bits of um, in there which I quite liked. Oh, by the way, do you know that I'm recording this in <laughs> Auckland, <laughs> New Zealand? <laughs> what? They were fun. Oh, oh the, 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 the huge title. Oh, right. I thought you were being the sky tower for a moment then, Johnny. <laughs> no, 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 no. So they were quite fun. And it, it, it felt quite broad. Like, it felt quite expensive. Mm. Cinematic? I can't get over the look of the series. It's just... it's just feels so beyond what we've had god it really it really does feel like it's been a long time since you've watched the series Jono. yeah no because that's the thing i thought it looked oh it looks cinematic and I, yeah. I agree with that and there's that lovely scene in the sewer and all that stuff but it seems actually quite small and constrained because it's in a sewer it's on the street it's in graham's lounge it's in a shed in, in a shed and a couple of quarry shots and a call center 
but I, I think that's been a symptom of the of the series as well this year is that it's it's had a very reduced cast roster, and I think part of it mm. may be due to the fact that there are four people in the TARDIS. It's a bit like um, Big Finish in the early days. You could really only have was it six characters if you wanted to write for it, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and it makes it seem very much smaller. As for me, yeah, look, look, it was fine. Um, I would put it probably somewhere in the top three stories of this year. It was nice to have a Dalek story back. Peter, Peter, there's only one story this It's the year. top story of the year for me so far, but sadly, <laughs> also the bottom. Where to from here? Can't wait for the season survey in uh, DWM this year. <laughs> it's going to be a flat line. <laughs> I don't mind a scaled-down story in this regard. I am very much of the school of, you know, one dark could destroy an entire world. I like that rather than, you know, a whole sky full of CG Daleks, which mm-hmm. just induced yawning in me back in the day. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really quite novel that the Dalek comes back in an altered shape, and I much prefer this mutant to the RCD one with the sort of the, the eye. And in general, it was fine. What do you think of the Junkyard Sheik? Uh, ah, yes, this great peep challenge. It was a nice, again, book, book ending compared to the Doctor. I mean, everybody said this, but compared to the Doctor bashing up her own Sonic using, you know, spoons and Sheffield steel mm. in the first episode. That must have been deliberate. And I don't mind it. Look, in, in a story which has had a Dalek weirdly, magically reconstituting itself from three or four corners of the globe and just doing all sorts of weird things... For it to just go down as so low-tech as to sort of hammer out a new body for the new year in a corrugated iron shed, yeah, I'll have that. That's, that's, that's fine. I'll suspend my disbelief there. And it was admirably wonky, you know. It didn't come out with a, a, an Al McPherson body. There was sloppy welding and everything as well. It was had a bit of a wobble to it. It was, yeah, it's fine. The A and B plots, yeah, they were a little bit distant from one another. And the resolution... Obviously, Aaron's grip is, is a lot stronger than a supernova, but <laughs> <laughs> we got there in the end. Somewhere in the mix, Yaz was doing nothing as usual. But uh, we'll, we'll get hey, to that. no, 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 no. <laughs> she took some people to a door. Okay, okay. I have a theory about that, but we'll, we'll save it till later. You've got a theory, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Forget about dyspraxia. Yaz has Harry Sullivan syndrome. Yep. In the sense that Yaz is the strong, competent, smart, female character who can do everything by herself and then is completely redundant because they cast a Doctor who does that anyway. The same way Harry was the action man to do anything for the fourth Doctor mm. if they cast him as a Hartnell or a Troughton rather than a Pertwee or a Baker. An old man, yeah. yeah. Oh, Mr Pastry, yeah. It's, it's just a, a vibe I've got that Yaz is perfectly competent and capable and a strong female character in a show where she's sidekick to a lead strong female character. And as a result, she's left with nothing to do. And it's a real shame because I, I found Yaz, actually, I'll put my cards on the table now, short of Donna, Yaz is my favourite female companion in the new hit. She's got all this potential. You know, she's more competent than Martha, less. There may be roses in the mix as well. But I was sort of rolling my eyes a lot with Amy Pond. Mm-hmm. Bill was good, but they, they squandered that. Yaz should be a lot better, but she can't be because there's no room for her to grow because her mojo's been stolen by the Doctor. I think all the oxygen's been sucked out of the room by Ryan and Graham as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But again, she's this character who works perfectly well on paper mm-hmm. and should shine because she's acted well. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with her. But just no room in the script for her to do anything. Dave, I'm going to ask, tell you to put a pin in that phrase, looked fine on paper, because I think definitely want to come back to that when we're looking at this series overall. Fair enough. Mm. Otherwise, that was resolution. Um, I, I thought it was pretty much ending this run of stories on, on a high note mm. and a, bit, a definite improvement on Rand's score of Kolos, supposed finale. Battle of Vows and Constance, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Jono. As our resident Brexit person, what did you think of the Brexit again? <laughs> Fun. Good. Definitely a lot better than the... Uh, the wi Have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> <appalling>. <laughs> I've never seen such a big lead up to a joke and then the joke itself then has to happen and have a lead up and it took some time, didn't it? You could see the life drain from her eyes as she was delivering it, I swear. <laughs> what? <laughs> I bet Big Finish is spitting. <laughs> 
they have a whole new unit series, which is now uh, probably going to drop off the radar. I thought there should be a special shout-out to the guest cast. I thought the guest cast was very good, particularly um, Charlotte Ritchie as, as Lynn. I thought she did exceptionally well. I was quite hoping that she'd turn around to the Doctor and go, I am a human <laughs> Dalek. <laughs> but she, it didn't happen, which was slightly disappointing. But never mind. I found it really strange, though, having watched all the episodes of Call the Midwife, that Graham didn't recognise her. Oh, is that where she's from? I'll uh, insert Tumbleweed here. <laughs> mm. And would it have worked better? <laughs> well, it did feel like that the, the whole It's a Dalek was meant to be a big reveal, and... We were all expecting a Dalek. Yeah, uh, but they'd played it in such a way that uh, my daughter, who's not actually been watching the media and the hype about it, when it said, oh, it's a Dalek, she went, oh, is that what Daleks are really like? You know, would it have actually worked better if we hadn't been spoiled? Well, I thought there was still a, a reasonable amount of healthy doubt about whether there'd be Daleks in it or not. I eventually spoiled myself and, and worked out that there were. In fact, it didn't take very long on Twitter at all. Once it had aired, BBC's or marketing wing finally swung into action like it never has this year and uh, started showing pictures of the, of, the, of the story. And there was my first view of the Dalek. But no, mm, yeah, I, I don't know if it was hugely spoiled. I think you had to sort of look for it. Were you looking for it, Dave? In the UK, they released the ad as it was before, but with Exterminate superimposed on the end about a week before New Year's. I thought it was on Christmas Day, yeah. yeah. It was on Christmas Day. I was going to say, it felt very fairly obscure that I, I, only, I didn't even really stumble across that until somebody had mentioned, spoiler, if you listen to the end of the trailer, ding, mm. ding, ding. Ah, mm. uh, okay, fair enough. I actually, I, this is probably, you know, symptomatic of the whole season for me, but I actually, I read a review of this before I watched it, happily scrolled through various photos and bits and pieces from it, which makes <laughs> me wonder quite how invested I am in this than I used to be. Because I remember, you know, a year and a half ago, whenever it was, I was sort of railing against the BBC for spoiling the fact that John Sim was Bad. in yeah. series 10, which feels like about 27 years ago. Mm. But now... I found out there's a Dalek in it. I was like, yeah, had a look. Oh, yeah. And then watched the episode. I don't care anymore. If ever there was a season that, since New Hoon came back that made me feel the season's not for me and I'll quite happily watch it with my kids and watch how they respond, mm. this is it. Yeah. I cease to have cared. For me, I spoiled myself as well. And there's an element of, well, you know, this is what podcasting is to a degree. And I don't know if you'd necessarily disagree. John, I think yeah, an element of sort of research beforehand, but but also I thought, well, you know, it, there's only a very slim chance that I'm really going to be surprised here. Uh, Junior kept saying, "Oh, is it going to be a regeneration?" And I had to think to myself, actually, yeah, the last few Christmas specials, there's generally been a regeneration. Mm. At least the last few Doctors have all regenerated around Christmas time. I never thought about that, and I said, "No, no, not this year." So when the Dalek finally got into action, that was his big thrill moment. But for me, you know, I'd seen the Dalek. I, didn't, I wasn't really heavily invested in, in knowing beforehand. And like I say, I, th- I think the, the the promotional wing of, this, of the series this year has been so wonky. It was, it was very, very tippy-top secret for such a long time. And then... For no real reason. Yeah, exactly. It turns out that a lot of the things they were concealing were not really big twists at all. Then they'd flip it around and, and say, I'm not sure if you guys ever saw the social media stuff that came out just before it takes you away, mm. where something came out and it was like, if ever you've watched an episode, you must watch this one, dum-dum-dum, because of whatever. Now, is that just because they were saying that Sharon Clark was back? Can't be that big an exciting thing. Well, the message clearly didn't get through because it was the lowest rating one of the series. <laughs> I think yeah. what happened was one reviewer in particular liked the way the story was structured and the first half of the story with the mystery and the not mystery and the speakers and stuff was very well handled and i i have to admit i until about the last third it takes you away i thought it was actually a really well put together story Mm. and and you encounter this before listening to other people's podcasts there are people who watch for different reasons and like different things and for me as evidenced by this one i can sit through it and watch it the first time and enjoy it but because it's Doctor Who, I'll watch it again and start picking it to bits and then suddenly go, no, actually, no, no. So from someone's perspective, it was great. But from mine, it was sort of average. And it's interesting you're talking about the regenerations. And that's probably what I was getting at before about Christmas specials and this one being a bit 
lackluster is usually Christmas specials, and this isn't a Christmas special, but it's effectively a Christmas special, but they are events. Mm. And this, the only event was, hey, it's this season's Dalek story. And there's nothing for another year. <laughs> That's more of an event than this is a, a Doctor Who's attempted a superhero movie. Yes. True. That wasn't it, very event. Well, it should be a big event, shouldn't it? Because, you know, we've been saying this year that the, the one thing that's sort of been missing from, you know, the roster of enemies this year is a classic foe. And this is this is the big one. This is the, the most classic, the most recognisable, not promoted. Yeah, but it's a very subversive Dalek story because there isn't a traditional Dalek casing. Mm. And while I really enjoyed the fact that Dalek was creating the I am a human Dalek and you are my meat puppet, it's not their usual stick. It was very much a subversion of the traditional Dalek story. I actually quite liked that, though. I, like, I really liked that. That whole stuff with her in the was it her bathroom mm. or bedroom, mm. I can't remember, but was genuinely quite mm. unsettling. And I liked the fact that it was a bit of a journey to get to the point where you have the big reveal. Nice to have a reveal without <laughs> lots of seven different colours, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost the opposite reveal of... It's, it's like the, the antithesis of Victory of the Daleks, where they will come out shiny, plastic, mm. and new, big, huge. This comes out crappy, uneven, you know, broken, rusted. I, I thought it could have been crappier and more uneven. I did actually make a note. Vic, in Victory of the Daleks, everyone was going, oh, God, I hate these Daleks, they look horrible. And Chris Tupinel says, hang on, hold my coat. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, if you're talking about a Doctor Who baddie slash woman hybrid, this is also from the same guy who wrote um, Cyberwoman for Torchwood. Oh, I hadn't even <laughs> thought of that. Oh. It could have been so much worse. <laughs> no, no, but I was sitting there. I did actually think at the time, are they stealing the Cyberman shtick? You know, I, I will subvert you and make you my body and this sort of thing. And now you say Cyberwoman and it's just like, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> It's Cyberwoman without the silver underpants. Oh, God. <laughs> I think we can agree that the, the Daleks have been stealing the, stealing the Cyberman's best lines for, for years now. Yes. Yeah. I, I did wonder, you know, how much of this is actually reliant on it being a Dalek. You know, it could have been a Cyberman. Yes, it could have been in anything. Yeah. And in some ways I'm sitting there going, good on you, ninth century guys. The Dalekanium must have been a bit dodgy then, or, or Mr. Dortman is turning in his grave. But... <clears throat> A wizard did it. Actually, I would much rather have seen the story of the Doctor landing in the ninth century and helping the locals beat a Dalek then. And maybe that's next year's Christmas special. I don't oh, know. Maybe it's coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Oh, oh. Well, actually, no, someone's actually already done it because it's it's uh, one of the new books. It's Combat Magic. Oh. The Doctor lands in a battle between Attila the Hun and the forces of Rome and an alien invasion. Wasn't that also a comic strip, the Dragon's well, Claw or something, the Tom Baker one for the DW? And Doctor Conqueror and everything yeah, in between. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Right. okay. Oh, sorry, I'm 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 lowering the tone. Sorry, Jono. I feel there's a big pin in your appreciation of the season so far. I'm trying to remember at what point. I'm trying to think whether it was this season, or whether it was last season that sort of just made me go, uh, really. And I think and I think it might have been actually twice upon a time because Pete, you came on to Zeus mm. Plug to talk about it, and and I listened back to it, and we were all quite, uh, you know, <laughs> almost kind of just worn out a bit. Yeah. By that point, and I think that Jody coming on and the reinvigoration of everything, and then you look. I mean, I just like I said before, I love the look of it, and some that you know those those first couple of shots in the woman who fell to earth of. Sheffield mm. up mm. on the hill. That was just almost like a stake in the ground going, mm. look what we can do now. Look how beautiful it can be and everything. And the, the visual effects are huge leap, I think, again. And they were pretty good before, but now they look stunning. I'm just not... I've been watching it with my wife. She's got back into it again. She was just over Peter Capaldi. In fact, pretty much lost interest after season... Mm. Uh, first season. Yeah. Just wasn't into it. Got back into it with Jodie. Enjoyed up to Rosa... Mm-hmm. was really into it and then as arachnids came around uh not so much Sinung, the tauranga <laughs> conundrum and then just sort of slowly has sort of petered out again and yep. i've been i've been feeling the same so the biggest symptom i guess of my apathy towards the show now is just a complete disinterest this year of actually doing zeus plug which is mm. the podcast that 
I have run since, was it 2014? Which is a tragedy, Jono, because I've missed Zeus Plug. <laughs> oh, that's good. I have too. I, it's nice to hear local voices venting their spleens. I've had to go to other countries for their podcasts, Jono. <laughs> <laughs> There are, there are many out there. <laughs> Other small islands in the Pacific. Yeah, the Fijian Doctor Who podcast. Is there one? Hopefully there's one on Anuta Island. Toka, the Tokelauian. There's a Solomon's yeah. one. They'll be absolutely having kittens now. <laughs> <laughs> Finally made it on the Who map. But the biggest idea was this year, I and mean, again, just for personal reasons, obviously with a new child mm, coming along, to do a, what I was going to call the Above Between Below mm. series, which was a, you know, start of the series, middle, and an end. And missed the, <laughs> missed the start. Got towards the middle thinking, can we do a middle one? And then and just like, no, no. I've got nothing to say about it, apart from I think that it looks really good. The stories have all been okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing's really stood out. I think if I was going to sort of pick probably the one that I enjoyed the most up until the point where it was sort of like the solution came out out of nowhere 10 minutes before the end was um, It yep. Takes You Away. Mm-hmm. I thought the first half of that, even the, even the part in the middle, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, this is great. This is really good and interesting and people have got stuff to do. But other than that, I'm struggling to think of any that really, I mean, even Rosa, it was great, but I don't know. It just it didn't have a point. No, and and so many of these episodes, it's just I find I'm finding Jodie. I'm enjoying her, but she's just so. Uh, Sarah, my wife, said the same thing. She's she's so breathy. I mean, for for an actress of her caliber, I guess I was expecting a little bit more mm. shading, yeah. whereas it seems to go from excited breathiness and a lot of fast talking, rambling, yeah, which I don't feel is her natural mm-hmm. shtick. So there's a lot of that there's been little glimpses like i think the go and have one of your little sleeps line from ghost monument that little speech she gives to the guys mm. trying yep. to win the race was like a little glimpse of like oh that's yep. interesting like that was quite cool and little moments just dotted through but my god there haven't been many of them no no i agree jody whittaker's doctor is in small scenes and with the resolution it was the you let ryan down and just that bit there is the contrast you need to the manicness. With mm. Tennant, with Smith, even with Capaldi to a bit, there was this manicness, but the manicness was always contrasted by the darkness. And Whittaker, as you say, mm. Whittaker's all breathy and manicness and windmill arms and all this stuff. And there's not enough of those little scenes where, you're right, they are there. They're like little nuggets, but there's not enough of them to balance the character. Another one was it was a weird one, but it was like when she was writing mm. the chalk message on the wall and it takes you away like that was another little moment of like, mm. oh, this is it's not everything's not being explained to us through her. Like her doctor is a plot doctor. It's just like progress mm. the plot and come up with the solution of why things are happening and kind of tell us what's going on rather than there being any kind of sense of us discovering oh, God, yes. for ourselves. And that's what the problem with it takes you away was. She suddenly says, oh, I, I think it's what I was told when I was a kid which is this other universe. It must be that. And, it, what, like and that's it, the point where the wheels fall yeah. off for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing a Zeus pod podcast with you, Jono, for, um, what was it? Um, the robot aliens with the smiley faces. Smile. And saying, oh, smile. <laughs> funny that. And Kablam. But the, <laughs> Blink. But the whole Greatest st- show in the galaxy. The whole story runs along great until the point where all of a sudden it just goes bang and all the wheels, it's like running a marathon. And then in the last strike, crashing into a kebab stand. And all the stories have been a bit like that. And even with resolution, there's this bit which turns around and go, oh, well, I bet you took all your stuff and you put it under the UV light and that made all that. And it's like, we know that. (laughs) Don't have to tell us. We saw Mm. it. It's gone from show, don't tell to show and tell. I'm just going to think like where we were sitting at this point with all the other doctors, like where their character was. I think Tenement pretty much was straight into it straight away, right? So by the end of his first series, you're completely on board with his doctor and who he was. Smith, yes, probably the same at that point. Big Bang, Capaldi, just a bit of work to do. (laughs) Or at least a few sort of changes happening. So with her doctor, I I don't feel like she's got a feel for it. Or she does, and I just think the characterisation is not... I think that she should be given broader stuff to work with or, or deeper 
more shaded stuff to yeah. work with because yeah. the moment it feels like she's giving a lot of dialogue and a lot of let's speed through the pot quick 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 faster mm-hmm. faster faster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i remember discussing it on zeus pod with you about flatline every doctor has a story where their doctor is nailed to the f- to the floor and with Eccleston, if it wasn't before then it's dalek and with uh, smith it's very much the beast below where someone turns to him and goes, well, no, you're, you're the alien who takes care of all the children. And with Capaldi, we were discussing, was it Flatline, maybe? But we haven't had that story for Whittaker's Doctor where you get this insight to, ah, this is how this character works. This is how this incarnation expresses her doctorness. Well, I don't think she has a character to express, unfortunately. That she has characteristics, but they're not very mm-hmm. well defined ones. There's the loquaciousness, which is un- unfortunately goes hand in hand with far too much exposition. Um, mm-hmm. There's a manicness. There's a kind of a informality, like God, I've never heard you know the word "mate" be used so many times. <sighs> yeah. In a Doctor episode before. But it could work. I mean, if you could imagine Christopher Eccleston putting enough venom into the word mate to make you actually terrified of him. But it's just not channeled. It was like, do you remember, the, was it was in um, Big Bang where at the wedding reception, like the doctor's standing there and he's like, good on you, mate. Do you remember that? And it was kind of weird. <laughs> like it just, it's like, where did it come from? It sounds like Matt Smith, not like the doctor. Hmm. With her, I think it rolls off the tongue better, but it's still quite... I don't know, and the whole TARDIS mm. team, fam. Forced. How many times have we had that? Is that like the fourth time yeah. that that joke's been played? At least. But again, speaking of Smith, it's in Vampires in Venice, where the Doctor's doing something like that, and Rory says, stop, I understand who you are. This is all a bit of a sham. We're going to have to pick up the pieces after this. And then the whole Doctor-Rory relationship sort of cements around, you're trying to be Amy, but really you're Rory. This is a facade. It's not the real you. The real you has been mm. fighting Daleks for centuries. Whereas there's just not that depth there. Is that it? Because I, I think I may have seen this written somewhere as well. Is there less of a sense in Jodie Whittaker's performance of the old head on young shoulders? Yes, I would say that's fair. Matt Smith managed to convey very, very quickly into his tenure. And I think it was always there with different shades with Capaldi. And Tennant managed it. Well, I mean, the, pretty much mm. all of the new Doctors have managed it in various ways. And I don't, I, I don't recognise it with Jodie Whittaker. And, and I think part of it is, is this, now we're coming to putting this, you know, the, picking up this pin. Everything on paper looking, looking quite compelling. We're going to have a new Doctor with a new approach and everything's going to be new. No arcs, no callbacks to previous companions, enemies, planets, and so forth. But with that, you need something to sort of bolster up. You need that sort of that, that Eccleston speech in Rose, you know, that, that, that actually sort of says, no, this is someone who's been around for a hell of a long time and has seen some things. And I don't remember that with, mm. uh, with the 13th Doctor. One of Peter Capaldi's defining moments was the speech in the Zygon two-parter. And there he's doing the manic, yes, this is a game show, this is this. But it, it's a front, it's, it's, it's sarcasm to hide the fact that this is all actually very dark and I have seen this before and I never want to see it again. But there's just not the depth behind that with Whitaker. It's, it's, it's all the front almost. And it, I don't think it's her fault, I think it's just, you know, we, we discussed it before, it was a Doctor Who show idea, but it, it just rang so true. You know, they've taken the, the gabbiness and the gobbiness of the Doctor which is the superficial character, and written all the stories around that being the fundamental character. But I'm glad in a way that she's not encumbered with the whole guilt oh, no. slash mm-hmm. lonely god kind of thing. And so that's refreshing in a way. It, it and is. That she's almost like, a, she's a fresh slate. And I was definitely, towards the end of Capaldi's era, just like, oh, like with the whole I don't want to regenerate and everything, that was just getting so... Uh, so to come in and be completely fresh like that is great but you're right some kind of acknowledgement of the depth yeah. of who that character is otherwise she's she could just be a fun time traveling alien an enabler yeah she could be river it's the classic case of be careful what you wish for because i agree <laughs> wholeheartedly on paper the clean sweep and the get rid of all the angst and it just seems like a brilliant idea it's great i love it because i too was getting sick of it but you've got to replace it with something not leave a void 
And that's the problem, mm. I think. That all that's left is the superficial charm of the Doctor and the depth has sort of gone out with like the baby with the bathwater. Do you know, it was, I think when it was announced and there were all sort of the rumours swirling around, the two most exciting rumours I'd heard were that she was going to be stuck on mm-hmm. Earth without mm-hmm. the TARDIS and that it was going to potentially be one long story. Now that, to me, sounded exciting mm. in mixing it up. And then when they said it's going to be 10 standalone episodes what i did like was the fact that you've got 10 different stories and so there were 10 different settings and 10 different ideas but god nothing jumped out Mm. i can't even remember i'm just trying to think of what the ones towards the end were because even they like the the witch hunters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like quite fun but it's just it's gone (laughs) the irony is i could read them out to you because i wrote them down here but i wrote them down here because i had exactly the same problem (laughs) of remembering what they were what order were they in and how did uh, that one there and I've I've only got nine where was the other one and so what would you call the highlights of the series if you had to pick the top three what would be your the ones well for me early early on I think Rosa was a standout but it's sort of been dulled by by some ropey stories afterwards I didn't want her arachnids I hated I didn't hate no I was bored by Saranga but then things picked up again with Demons of the Punjab, and Demons of the Punjab is definitely mm. in my top three, possibly, probably in my top two. Kablam! I, I think the whole family enjoyed it on different levels. Actually, Kablam was fun. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy that. There was some lovely misdirection in there, I think. Interest, interesting, you know, overall message. Mm. But Confused. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, yeah, fun and a little bit of world building yes. in a weird mm. little way. Which, which we haven't had a lot of this year, again. Mm that's usually a story two or a story three thing in, in Russell T mm. Davies here um, it takes you away like you John I really enjoyed the first half of it particularly when it's sort of like a mystery that needs to be solved and everybody's having a go at trying to solve this mystery mm. the rest the so god what am I left with well definitely demons and somewhere between Kablam and it takes you away and I had to say you know resolution being up there for being a pretty good average episode <laughs> yep <laughs> I have to agree that the, the end of the series seemed to build a bit better. So I, I would say off the top of my head, Kablam, which finders and takes you away. Mm. Uh, but again, takes you away up to the first half. And resolution, I'd put, you know, would knock one of those out. Probably it takes you away for that reason. Because it's the best of the lot of average stories. He said smiling. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've, I just keep on feeling I'm ceasing to care. And I don't mean that nastily, it's just perhaps finally I've grown out of New Who. Yeah, it's funny because I was talking, um, Dave, I'm not sure if Pete's mentioned it to you, but I was talking to Pete about when you were talking about me coming on to the show and just saying, would love to, but you know, I might not have a huge amount to say because I'm just feeling like I'm just not that in touch anymore. And he was mentioning that you potentially were sort of feeling the same way as well. Mm. So I'm glad it's not just me. I was worried it was just me and maybe just, I don't know, period of my life where maybe doctor who isn't as important anymore oh. or maybe it's just but, but i don't i don't think that i still think that i've got real passion for the earlier like everything kind of i still feel like a tenant was my period you know mm. eccleston tenant where it was really going for me but i yeah i do wonder it just was interesting like i would normally watch them on the day they came out i was watching some of these episodes a week later mm. not really caring if i was spoiled like i was mentioning before yeah, so I mean, the fact that the announcement said that it was going to be another year away made me just go, okay, yeah. I wonder if I'll still be interested then. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Very much this case would be careful what you wish for, because I remember saying half in jest, look, if Doctor Who comes back and fans hate it, but meets wider critical acclaim and my kids love it and it becomes their show the way it was my show, I'll be happy. And now it's happened, I'm sort of a bit disappointed. <laughs> And that's my failing rather than it's... No, but hang on. But that happened. So we talked about this years ago, Pete, when we were doing like the little pub zine. Mm. And we there was an article in one of the little things. It was like 2006, 2007, talking exactly about the fact of kind of let it go. We were sort of years ahead of Frozen. Let it go because it's not really <laughs> ours anymore. And that was talking from a, from a, from a fan of the classic series. Yeah. So it's already happened. That, that has happened. I think now it's just the fact that we are on to... I guess cycle two and we've been spoilt 
recently over the last five years with a return to quite a fan orientated show. Mm. Yep. Weirdly to the detriment of the show. Well, not yes. weirdly, but to the detriment of the show. I was really interested in just looking at the viewing figures. And I knew, you know, obviously that first episode was amazing and that it stayed up pretty well, but obviously it sort of dropped, 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 dropped since now sitting at what five or six million an episode mm. something like that, that goes, I think, yeah. which i think is you know i mean i saw the overnights for resolution and it i think it was fourth for the day with five million but then like luther which is like the big that only got half a million more so obviously just across the board in fact did you see those christmas day viewing figures Whew, they were a little alarming Top rated show was 5.8 million or something. Yeah, across the board, nothing spectacular, eh? But I think that's no. that's touched on in resolution as well. Everyone's going digital and doing other stuff. You know, the days mm. of the captive Christmas market or the captive television market might be gone. So I don't know how realistic viewing figures are anymore. I mean, if you think about it, Ark and Space got figures that would be absolutely amazing by today's standards. You know, the gunfight has even got you know you're in a different world with a different media backdrop but do you get the sense that it has like the the heat went out of it fairly quickly and that it was obviously the excitement uh and then sort of plateaued off i just wonder whether i wonder whether it will last another year in terms of being able to come back and be that big return but it makes some money it's i think it's bbc's it's literally its biggest product more than anything else so yep. it will never go away but I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's a classic thing with fandom, though. You can't continually cater to your old fans because they get old and die, or have kids, or you know, their life go moves on. But they should. We we shouldn't have been catered for as much as we were. I think no, Cap- even choosing not. Capaldi as a doctor was a nod towards fans. Mm. Otherwise, they would have chosen another Matt Smith or another you know easily digestible person. A lot of the young fan base was railed against Capaldi because he was old. The other thing is also, could you have done Whitaker when Capaldi came up? And I don't think you could have. We we had quite a steep Missy-related learning curve to the idea of the Doctor being a woman, even though it had been touted for 20-odd years. Yeah, the, the new broom seems to be sweeping extra squeaky clean. Are you excited about the next series? The one a year away? No, I, might, I don't have the adrenal glands for it. <laughs> they'll expire around June. I, I might get excited when the first trailer comes out, but my plan at the moment is to get my kids to watch the two episodes this season they haven't, and if I'm lucky, get them watching some old Matt Smith episodes. And that's where my focus is. I've ceased to care about the new product, I think. And I finally have let it go. It's taken a long time for me. You know, the idea's been percolating in our heads for Three Doctors, and now it's finally come. Because I remember... I remember having that discussion going with Chris Mander to Longleat in 1997, looking through the exhibition and going, oh, I think I'm over all this now. And and I just keep on getting drawn back into the web. Hmm. And I think hmm. maybe finally, like Voyager, I've passed the heliosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've passed the heliosphere of Doctor Who's orbit. I don't know. But but like you, it's sort of it's really interesting. I'm sort of sitting there going, oh, it's good and I'm entertained, but it's not... What I think it is. I'm quite looking forward to revisiting it when my kids are older. Yes. From the start. And I would say from the start, I mean Christopher Eccleston, probably. And watching it through their eyes, I think. Oh, it's a funny one. It's funny thinking about this because Doctor Who's been such a big part of my life in so many ways that it's just, it's it's strange to contemplate the fact that actually, yeah, the, the end is here. Yeah. And the moment the moment hasn't been prepared for. I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> this is... Instead, you're hammering away in a shed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear! What a conclusion to reach. What a downer to end on. Pete, where are you sitting on it? Because Dave and I have obviously, you know, have come to this realization. Where Where are you sitting? Actually, for all of that. Last night I was sort of diverting enough where I thought to myself, okay, well, you know, we've got a few things under the table now. We've got Ryan resolved twice. There's a year off. And I think that this year is going to be recalibration time. Hopefully someone's been handing some pretty hefty notes to Chibnall and he's going to be doing some pretty hard thinking because he's got a character that needs 
needs a bit of retooling. I know there are lots of there are lots of fans out there who are saying she's absolutely perfect and you you shouldn't change a thing. But it seems to me that there's there's weakness there, and it's not because it's a female doctor. It's just a weakness of writing. Mm. There's a companion mm. there who's, who's completely being sidelined by disproportionate attention to one or two others in the TARDIS. So the crew needs to be shaken up. And mm. the fact that this, on the early figures, seems to have outrated the series finale indicates that there's still interest in big monsters and big things. And this series, to me, has been about small things. It's been... Russell T Davies' idea of a big drama in a small spaceship in the middle of nowhere with no one to see it, like a tree in a forest. And it hasn't generally worked. So when the series comes back, I wonder whether we'll see it in a different way. I wonder whether it'll be a bit of a soft reboot in the style of Capaldi's second year. And that interests me. Speaking of a small spaceship, what did anyone else think of the pointy finger TARDIS? Because I've never seen that before. <laughs> As the console goes up and down, the crystals wave like little fingers. I was sitting there, I was sitting there going, so oh, that's yeah. why we've not seen any long shots, because I thought it looked daft. <laughs> the it sort of has a claw element. The, 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 it does. The, the stalagmites or stalactites sort of, they sort of clutch. Oh, mate, I can't get on board with the new TARDIS at all. <laughs> but I wonder whether we might see a soft reboot. But if we don't see a soft reboot, I don't see a lot to really sort of keep me going. And I I wonder also whether this might be the last Doctor Who for a while. I don't think we'll see a regeneration out of this. We might see mm. a war game style regeneration where it, you know, just goes off and you know, we don't see anything conclusive. I think if anything, if the series goes off air, the BBC know that they can probably just buy their time for a while. And then bring it back. It's being rested for 18 months. But but they can do that. And and they know that when that comes yep. back, there's a groundswell. And there's a whole new generation of fans who will say, I remember this as a kid. Yeah. I'd like to see that again. Just like we did. I bet you anything you like that Jodie only does one more year. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case too. Yeah. Because there, was, an, there was, was a Hollywood reporter that got the kind of exclusive that she was going back for another year, yeah. obviously where she said, I'm not done with the character just, just yet. yet. That doesn't sound to me like somebody who... Because there are rumours going around that Chibnall was off as well. This is Doctor Who fandom. There's there's rumours that next year there'll be a series called Graham. <laughs> Didn't we just watch that? <laughs> I, I would. I would. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Pete. I think if they if it stops, they need to just stop. You're right. And maybe have a open, nice open ending and it comes back at a feather... I'd be fine with that. I reckon if you'd said that to me five years ago, I would have been shocked and outraged. But no, I'd be fine with that. We've got 11 Mm. series out of it. Mm. They've all been pretty good. We've had five Doctors. The canon's expanded. The future is bright. (laughs) We'll always have big finish. God will always have big finish. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not their unit stories, though. (laughs) I still stand by the mantra that if it does well and people are still watching, even if I don't care for it, great it's fine it's it's all good i'm just not entirely convinced that i don't know the viewing figures maybe aren't reflecting that but if jodie whittaker is my daughter's doctor it's all good with me yeah so we're all sort of comfortably numb over this (laughs) and that is our episode title thank you very much Oh, well, maybe that's uh, as, as good a place to sort of finish. And we've got an interesting year ahead. Jono, I, I guess the silence will prevail <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> silence has fallen. I probably won't be doing much Doctor Who fandom stuff anymore, yeah. to be honest. Zeus Plug was great fun, but I think I, I can probably announce it now to your listener. <laughs> um, and probably the, the same the same <laughs> listener who listened to Zeus Plug, um, that, yeah, Zeus Plug is, is over. It's an ex-podcast. <laughs> it's an ex-podcast now. I am looking at doing a podcast this year, though. It will be non-Doctor Who related, though, which will be exciting. And a first. We're looking forward to it. And, yeah. and let us know so we can shout it from the rooftops to our listeners. Great. Great. <laughs> Echo chamber, echo chamber, echo. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, but it's been a very fun ride, and thank you to you both for not only having me on, but for being part of Zeus Plug for many, many episodes. It was a wild journey, a lot of fun. Ah. 
Speaking of our dear listener, we have actually had some feedback, shock horror, from Gareth Edwards Lloyd Tolman uh, ah. on the Facebook page. And he, his comments are, thoroughly enjoyed the New Year episode, although I cannot help but wonder why the Dalek wasn't burnt to ashes and then scattered to the wind. Mm-hmm. Someone fancied a, uh, a South Pacific trip. Because <laughs> yeah, they wanted a junket. Yes. Are the biological components fireproof? Uh, uh, if this was the Black Dog podcast, they'll be saying, yeah, because shut up, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> also, I was disappointed to see that instead of making one of the companions save the Doctor or be essential to the smooth running of the universe or be wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, causality nexus, focalized neutron-reverse flow indicator or sacrifice themselves heroically or gain super abilities and save the day at great personal cost, they choose to go with a cliched, almost killer companion's relative and have the companion do the saving thing. Actually, I was pretty sure Aaron was going to cark it or end up guarding Same. Dalek. Same. Going so, out the door? Yeah. No, it's, it's a good point, Gareth. Good point. Twelve years of having the Doctor being saved are all thrown away. But apart from that, the series was solidly acted and the companions worked well. At least half of the scripts worked. As for the New Year's episode, a decent story with some nice bricks at digs, although they did seem to skimp on the Dalek-British Army fight scene. And I did like the Dalek hoping that they take note of people's comments and make the necessary changes for the next series. P.S. Always dislike the fact that she built her own Sonic when none of the others appear to have done so. Have a great recording, fellas. Thank you, Gareth. <laughs> we have. Thanks, Gareth. Uh, 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 Romana built a Sonic. That's the only thing I can say to that, though. It's, um, yes. Well, the TARDIS built the other Sonics, didn't it? Yes. Don't know about the first one, but yeah, okay. Point taken. And so with that, thanks very much for, for listening. And thank you, Jono, for joining us uh, for this episode. All the best for future endeavours. Thank you. And um, hereby, officially, via the internet, uh, passing you the baton of the New Zealand Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> <Challenges. laughs> Don't hit me with that stick. Don't hit me with that stick. Hopefully you guys can raise a quorum at your, at your committee meetings. Um, <laughs> not sure. Actually, out of interest, what's the plan? Because, you know, we've got a wilderness year ahead of us. What's the plan? Insert tumbleweed here. Yeah, uh, real life, I think. And uh, more reading of, of, of 1980s Eagle magazines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have to be honest. I'm not exactly sure where we are at the moment. Watch this space, dear listener. We'll let you know when we know. And if anybody wants a baton... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Please, please. <laughs> Write to us at the podcast at soforgetting at gmail.com. <laughs> it's made out of Sheffield steel. <laughs> and so it's good night from me and a happy new year. And it's good night from me. And it's good night from me for a very, very long time. <laughs> good night. Good night. <laughs>